Uh, I'm going to do a real quick can check because I have uh, I have a doozy here. Okay. Uh, this one is from Storm Brewing. Uh, it's one of the older breweries in Vancouver. Uh, it's awesome. It's just like two vats in a garage and you just go in and you pay 15 bucks and you get to have like 20 different amazing beers. It's yeah. old. There's no uh, polish to it at all. Yeah. It is the opposite of 33 acres. Yes. Dirk face 9,000 is apparently based off the guy who made it. I'm not a beer ah. guy, by the way, but I got this because not going to be readable, but this is a dill pickle IPA. Oh, damn. And that's got, that's got Rick on it. Doesn't it? That uh, guy certainly looks like Rick. Don't acknowledge that. Don't. <laughs> that is definitely like a copyrights that. were harmed pickle. That's definitely a pickle Richard. I stopped watching that show when it became a meme. I never watched it. But before it became a meme, it was genuinely good. I know I would like it because it's Dan Harmon, but I refuse to watch it because the fan base is terrible. Too bad we can't find a fucking sports team to apply that to. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like putting the bullshit, catching up stuff in the cold open? It keeps him in. It keeps you hooked. Yeah. And then we pull up Cap Friendly, which I might actually pull up. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. (laughs) If ever there was an episode to pull up Cap Friendly, this is probably it. Uh, just for, for the listener, uh, we all actually were in the same place a, bunch, a couple of times, this, or once this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Jackson had his couple shower, which I wanted to post a photo of you with the... Uh, okay, actually, could you tell us, how, how did you get Pink Whitney into your body? <laughs> okay, so my fiance and I had our couple shower this weekend. And that's breaking norms, right? Sort of, yeah, uh, a little bit. It's I, I think it's more typical to have a bridal shower. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. That seems weird to me that it's like... But also, like, because like, we had bridal showers thrown for Caitlin, but yeah. all the stuff she got was, like, stuff for the two of us. Yeah, exactly, right. right? And, like, it's always been stuff for the household, which, you know, used to be the women's domain or whatever, so I guess that kind of made sense. But now that everyone, you know, is dual income and everyone sort of, sort of shares the household responsibilities, yeah. it makes sense that it's just stuff for the two of you. So why is it not a, like a wedding shower? I think would probably be the better word than a couple shower. But Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what it said on your, on the huge, beautiful banner. Right? And I think I've heard the term wedding shower before. Yes. Uh, when I right, uh, right. use the term couple shower, uh, when talking to, uh, like my boss's wife, who like also kind of works for the company. So she's like in and out of there all the time. I told her that my couple shower was the, on the coming weekend. And she was like, you and your girlfriend are going to take a shower together. <laughs> like she had no idea what I was talking about. And I was See, like, yeah, when I that's low hanging fruit as a joke, but also I respect it. Yeah. I almost, uh, yeah. Cause I was trying to post a photo of you with the pink Whitney, but I didn't. I didn't know how to thread the tweet together because it kept having couple shower in it. But yeah, uh, we had our wedding shower. Yeah, no, it was a great time. Uh, it was an amazing time. The host, uh, she had like a Jeopardy game. The Jeopardy game was fun. That she tried it out. That was really, really good. Like she did a really, really good job on Jackson it. Jackson did a couple good uh uh sean connery impressions <laughs> he, was told to, he was told to stop a couple times but he kept going i liked it that's how it goes you know you stretch it as far as you possibly can and then you edit it later and unfortunately that doesn't work in real <laughs> life but whatever um <laughs> you got to push for the good content anyways um yeah i got a lot of amazing gifts speaking of which vias the fan you got me arrived in the mail today 
I saw you. the notification. I really yeah. appreciate it. Uh, that's he also great. didn't tell me what he was getting you. He just said like two ninety nine light bulbs coming right up, and I was like, <laughs> I assume he's kidding, but I have no idea what he's actually going to. So tell. yeah. Anyways, um, my fiance's friend, and I want to stress this: she she is very very sweet, and uh, she she got us a couple of gifts, and they were all really thoughtful, including the pink Whitney, which she got. Because uh, she knows that my fiance uh, would like that sort of thing. And it's like her favorite, like flavored vodka or whatever. And she got it specifically as like a sort of like she got one really nice gift and then one sort of like trashy bachelorette party gift. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. But anyways, uh, yeah, I got the pink Whitney. And of course, like I freaked out and like took pictures with it and like had to try <laughs> it because I was like, this is the only this is the only opportunity I'm going to get. Because uh, I, I just won't like ethical consumerism is a crock of shit, but I just can't buy that. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just one too many layers of. Yeah, it's too feminine. You can't yeah, buy like, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just can't give up my masculinity. Pink like alcohol. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Alcohol has Ugh. to taste like uh, tar. You've uh, you've like scraped up from the sidewalk or something like. Yeah, it uh, just ha- it has to be Old Spice flavors, but absolutely. Drinkable. It has to taste like. Uh, licking a stick of like all natural deodorant. That's yeah, what alcohol yeah. is supposed to taste like. Um, Axe should make a light beer. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea. My favorite thing is that some craft brewers are now making session beers, which are just light beers, but that don't taste like light beers that kind of taste like good beer. They're, they're like light beers you drink with your pinky up. Yeah. And as as a noted fancy lad, I appreciate this. Yes, as the as the Roxy Fever member with the most bourgeois affectations. Yeah, for uh, sure. I'll, I'll I'll admit that you will cop. You would uh, readily cop to that. Uh, right now. Yeah. I I might have a run for. You're for close. Day, I'm yeah, close. I'm close. So so yeah, uh, just real quick. Thank you so much for uh, for hosting that. That was an excellent time. It was so nice to see. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, it was awesome see, seeing see, everyone. See the both of you there too. Uh, and then later that night. Uh, Meadow Soprano found a great place for us uh, to drink that had a redacted name. Uh, actually, I was going to say. You know, I'll say it. The bar, <laughs> extremely regrettably, <laughs> was called the Churchill. Oh, and yeah. To me, that is like going to uh, the Hitler store. The Hitler the store. Hitler store. <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was a that, that was a jam packed weekend. Uh, I'm glad uh, we all we all get to hang out and uh, and we didn't talk about hockey much, which is beautiful because a lot of stuff happened. To just tie that all together, uh, I expected what I expected half of my party to be was like uh, the two of you and my friend Devin talking about like OEL. Oh yeah. But it just didn't work out that way because everybody had so much else to catch up on. And it kept it a bit COVID safe, too. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. No. Um, anyways, uh, I will cut a lot of that stuff. But people people like the friendship simulators. So yes, and it was the- also just nice to talk to you guys about it. So, yeah. All right, folks. Welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I am your host, Jackson McDonald. With me, as always. Hey, everybody. It's 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 Vyasaran, pretty much. And Elliot Hoyt. A lot to talk about this week. Uh, it's going to be a very Vancouver Canucks heavy episode, but 
before we get to what is likely to be at least an hour of Vancouver Canucks content. <laughs> this is our first episode that we've recorded since the expansion draft. So because we are not just a Canucks podcast, but a hockey podcast, and the expansion draft is definitely one of the most important league spanning events that can happen in hockey. I just wanted to go around the table and get a take from each of you on what your thoughts were on the expansion draft, either if you watched it or just experiencing it on Twitter or just looking at the names afterwards or whatever, just like how you felt about it after all was said and done and the Kraken had drafted their team. I I did not expect Seattle to do the whole valuing salary cap space over immediately trying to be a flash in the pan, not flash in the pan, but trying to be a flashy team off the bat uh, and, and trying to put together winnable pieces now. I mean, I don't know how much that does describe the Vegas approach at the beginning. I think Vegas had an amazing opportunity there to get a bunch of guys and they got a bunch of guys. And I think it kind of happened by accident with Vegas. Yeah. And so if the same opportunity was available to Seattle, I think definitely you'd see a lot more interesting, bigger names show up at uh, Gasworks Park over there in Seattle. But uh, it uh, it definitely was not what I expected and like just less newsworthy. But uh, but I guess some of that just might be because Frank Cervelli did what he did and leaked the whole team right before, which I thought was awesome. That's so funny. Somebody make that whole like uh, <laughs> the second Hitler reference of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that video of Hitler like finding out bad news. Oh, the downfall video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Bettman finding out that Frank Cervelli tuned in that whole team. <laughs> I mean, I did not look at what actually what the team actually wound up being, to be honest. Sure. Yeah. A lot of the names that I thought they were going to take or sort of people have been bandying about is like, hey, these guys would make a great team. Didn't seem to get off the board. Yeah. And like I think that's fair. It seems like they've prioritized, yeah, what Vyas said, having a team with a lot of salary cap space over necessarily fielding the best team possible. And the lack of any side deals really makes it a market departure from what Vegas did. Absolutely. I think that's entirely fair. I mean, Um, obviously, free agency is in, you know, 12 hours. So we'll see what actually happens then. But and when you go to free agency with 26 million in space, obviously, you're planning on doing something. We'll return to Seattle because I think that is my take above all else is I want to see what they're doing because their approach was so off the board that I want to see what they're doing because here's the thing being insanely daft and playing the long game can look exactly the same from the outside. Yeah, And the thing is, is what they did in the expansion draft absolutely has to lead up to something bigger. It's part because if they just looked at what they had and were like, yeah, this is what we want. Woof on a lot of the picks that they made. Mm -hmm. But I think they valued cap space for a reason. I don't know what the reason is. I'm not going to judge uh, until I know what the reason is. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a feeling it's a pretty boring and pretty stupid reason, which is just to chase big name players in free agency this year. Mm -hmm. But if it's all leading up to like potentially landing Jack Eichel, then, then like all the complaining about the expansion draft is, is going to look like short-sighted, you know? 
Right. Um, I think people have a tendency to mistake boring for bad, and yeah. they went very boring. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into this probably more in other uh, avenues, like on Twitter and uh, on controlled entries, and I might write about it or whatever. But like, the thing is, is that what they did was the most boring thing they could have possibly done, but it wasn't the worst thing they could have possibly done. The worst thing they could have possibly done was take on a bunch of guys because they think their names will put asses in seats. Yes, that would have been the worst mistake. Which is how I made my team up, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. based on last, what the dum-dums in the national media were saying leading up to the expansion draft, it sounded like without asking for anything in return, they were going to take on Carey Price and P.K. Subban and James Van Riemsdyk and all these, like, like or Jacob Voracek or, like, these big-name Basically guys. trying to win the 2014 Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Just because, like, they think a bunch of people in Seattle who are brand new to hockey who do not fucking care, who do not know the names yeah. of these players. Like I used to spend quite a bit of time in like Seattle, Washington state. And like, yeah, the truth is TJ Oshi immediately after the Olympics, maybe is the guy yeah. that people will know. And then like kind of Crosby, maybe vet, like, like, I think Ovechkin would be an example of a guy that people have heard of because of like the Stanley Cup antics. There was some some crossover into other sports like and, and also when ESPN had the rights in like the first two, three years of his career. Uh, I think that's the case. I just remember he was advertised more as like a face of the league. Yeah. And thing. then I think there are guys locally. Yeah, for sure. You, know, that, you don't that, have that if you're in Washington. Absolutely. No, like the closest what's the clo- the closest guys you have are Vancouver. And also, like, that exchange, that regional exchange just doesn't happen as much when there's a border separating you. I think there's going to be a, a, an effect that also comes from uh, people talk about Seattle fans coming up here, which I think will be fucking awesome because it's going to it's gonna light a fire under our ass to be like, oh, shit, they're probably going to be way louder and et cetera. Yeah, we could be seeing the beginning of a of a like hilarious decline for like uh, let let me put it this way vancouver could become the ottawa to seattle's toronto yeah like very easily especially, yeah especially if seattle's good <laughs> and, yeah. and if you if you thought that whole like we referenced it a couple times when the canucks uh were trying to bite out of uh the seattle seahawks thing with like the 12th man the canucks with the seventh man yeah. after aquilini is so scared of how many seattle fans just run into the arena and steal the show there's going to be even more of that yeah but i was going to say that not only is it going to be interesting to see how that happens coming this way but the few amount of people i have maybe not few but the amount of people who go down to seattle to watch games and support the canucks is probably going to light a fire under seattle to just absolutely punch us in the face back uh twice as hard oh yeah absolutely uh, thing too yeah. is like just to talking about material conditions here, like it's so much easier for Seattle people to come up here with the exchange rate yeah. than it is for us to uh, go down there. Fuck. I'm real. I'm going to get into monetary policy again. Just to round out that thought. I, basically, I don't think what they did was the worst thing they could have done. And especially from like an ownership group perspective, from a business perspective, which the Kraken have nailed from day one. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, honestly, prioritizing having 20... 20- five or whatever it is million dollars in cap space in a flat cap environment makes a ton of sense 
why would you take on other people's garbage when you could make your own garbage? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just from a business standpoint, like why would you take on other GM's mistakes when you could get a crack at making your own? And, and the thing is, is that in theory, the evaluation they made in the expansion draft should be correct. We can do better with our money than every other team's eighth best forward, fourth best defenseman, and second best goalie. That should be true. It's not, and it may not be if if their player evaluations are as bad as, frankly, they looked in the expansion draft because they made probably like like about half of the picks they made were like questionable in some Mm -hmm. way. Not necessarily bad. They landed the the gimmies, like taking Vince Dunn and avoiding Tarasenko, uh, yeah. taking Yanni Gord, taking Jared McCann. Like they nailed a few of their picks. They are they. I would argue they nailed basically all of the picks they absolutely needed to nail. But they also made a lot of picks that were like, I don't know. Guess we'll take this guy. Mm-hmm. I like, also like don't forget they're building their AHL roster at the same time, right? Totally. Yeah. So like, we'll we'll like, see. Uh, like, coming coming from a fan base who has no AHL talents to speak of. Yeah. At this point, the way the RFA stuff has gone, like they may be planning to, they're using Charlotte next year, right? But they could very easily, if if the Kraken are a success right off the hop, I could see them buying a franchise in Seattle like the Canucks are doing with Abbotsford or Tacoma or Olympia or, or whatever. Portland or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And just building a brand. I, I also want to just briefly touch on, did you guys watch the broadcast at all? Any of for this, it for the Seattle thing for the, for the expansion draft? Yep. I did. Yeah. No, why would I do that? All the, all the picks were posted online first. Correct. Take Elliot Vias. What did you think of the spectacle? It was a spectacle, and that's what it was. Uh, yeah. There, there were some old faces on there. Uh, Did you find it dystopian at all? Dystopian? Jesus. Uh, like, mm. I just found there to be certain things where it was like, like, Macklemore showing <laughs> yeah. up in, like, a hat, like a Jason Mraz hat from 2009, and, like, Gary Bettman calling it climate change arena. That has supplanted uh, Ron McLean's uh, <laughs> guiding lights in the equity seeking arena <laughs> as like the DMT death like hallucination I will have. Um, climate change arena and Macklemore in that hat were both just like two things that were like, ah, this I willed this to happen somehow, and I'm the reason the world is dying. You're, you're, you're not wrong, but I think also it's been so long since we've seen public spectacles like that Yeah, uh, for a crowd. So uh, I, I think that's just what anything like that is going to look like. When I say it's dystopian... Well, everything's dystopian. Is Yeah, no, what, but what I mean specifically is just how how much the Kraken like up to this point, the hockey aspect has not mattered at all. Mm -hmm. And then when they got into the expansion draft, it was treated that way. Like it was like, no, all we care about is like having as little money tied up as possible. It's very like Ray Kroc showing up at McDonald's and the founder. If you know what I mean? I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Uh, I've seen it. Elaborate. 
what I'm saying is like, there's something about the way that they've approached, they approached their, their expansion draft in conjunction with how spectacleized it's been and how much they've nailed the business aspect that feels a little bit like the cold, hard, shrewd, late capitalist businessman showing up at the cute family restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And, and yeah. the thing is, is that I say this as somebody who fucking worked for the McDonald brothers right. has for most of my life and right. knows that they are fucking assholes and they deserve to lose at the game they were playing. Yes. So I'm not saying that as uh, as somebody who who necessarily like views those guys as having a ton of daylight between them. Mm-hmm. But I just it just felt like that to me. It felt like the arrival of of something new in the NHL that could threaten to take it over. Yeah. And that, that, that thing won't necessarily be like, it will be different. It might be better in some ways, different ghouls, different ghouls. Exactly. Like yes. it's Jerry Bruckheimer and a few others who own this. Although team. I don't fairness, know anything with the light. Jerry Bruckheimer is probably the like least evil NHL. Probably. Like, probably, like yeah, genuinely, probably. like, I don't know about the other guys. They probably are terrible, but you like Jerry Bruckheimer, like made his money producing PG 13 movies yeah. um, and hasn't gotten Epstein yet. I don't think so. Uh, that's way too much time on Seattle. Uh, Enter- okay, it seems like there's an entertainment group and there's, it just seems like Oakview group. Okay. I can't find any Epstein type stuff yet, but I will report back. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. Fair they're all they all have their hands dirty somehow yeah. so yeah. let's find out what it is so we can so we can cancel them yes we're gonna cancel your your faves uh moving on the canucks did a whole bunch of shit and it's really the canucks funny. have done so many things they literally have had the off season that i would have said as a joke one year ago they were going to have <laughs> like not even a year ago just whenever the last uh off season was <laughs> Like if I had made this series of transactions as a joke, following the moves that they made last off season, people would have been like, that is a, that is such a hack joke. Jim Benning listened to my uh, list of, for my expansion draft team for Seattle and got inspired by the same approach. Like I took the Benning approach. These guys must be good. Uh, I'm, I have goldfish brain. I have no idea about the mistakes that I'm for some reason trying to solve right now and I recreate them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks Literally for, for their coming. two biggest acquisitions from last season from last off season were like jettisoned the next year. How often does like the same GM get to do that? I mean, the one thing I will give the betting bros, if we're going to use terminology like that, sure, credit yeah. for it, is that they are exactly correct in that Jim betting did recognize his mistakes. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, we'll sort see of. how well that holds up over the next 24 hours. So by the time you listen to this free agency, July 1st will have happened and we'll see if I'm going to eat my words. Yeah. There, there's one very notable mistake that he did not correct, which is uh, spending most of your attention during the off season on trying to acquire Oliver Ekman Larson, which yes. I guess is basically where we should start. Initial thoughts on the Canucks trading. I'm going to take a deep breath here and try to get the details correct. <laughs> Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel, a first round pick 
in 2021 that was used to select Dylan Gunther, a second round pick in a draft that I do not know, and a seventh round pick in a draft that I do not know. The second is in 22 and the seventh is in 23, I believe. Okay. But it does not matter. For Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland, and maybe a pick. Maybe a pick. Jackson, where were you when you found out? Because you weren't on Twitter, clearly. He was at work. Yeah, I was at work. That's I know, but like how did you find out? I'm curious. Because this I was is literally the you. joke about like our podcast is like the joke about like there's a punk, a hippie, and a Nazi, and they live in the apartment and it burns down like who survives it's the nazi because he was at work i'm, I'm the nazi and that, that's that's a hat trick of hitler references now <laughs> um anyways uh i don't know why i felt the need to interrupt what we were talking about to tell a bad joke that i heard in 2013 but uh it's not, here bad. We are. It's not bad yeah yeah, so there was no cat or there was no traffic coming back to Vancouver. Okay, yeah, no, just there, there's, so there's no chance. The only pieces coming in were uh, Oliver Ekman, Larson, and Connor Garland. Yeah. Okay, tidy bit of business then. Yeah. So initial thoughts from the both of you on on that. <laughs> it's it's almost predictable. Just take your lumps. He's consistent. He's at least consistent. I'll tell you that. Who? Jim Benning. Yeah, absolutely. He is the most consistent thing about the Vancouver Canucks. He's honest. He's an extremely honest person. Yep. I don't think he's ever lied in his life. Probably not. And I think he also believes everybody else is extremely honest. Yeah. I was half in the camp uh, as I was learning about the trade of uh, every caller on the radio, apparently, who was like, oh, but we got OEL. He's good, right? Because I wasn't fucking paying attention to Phoenix Coyotes for the last three, four years, except for their ownership shit. I have to ask you the a stupid guy question uh, and sort of, you know, pierce the veil because I genuinely do not know. But like, what was your reaction when the Canucks traded for Eric Goodbranson? Was it Goodbranson's good, right? Um, we, we lost a second for him, though, right? Uh, yeah, but we traded the first for OEL. Fuck. <laughs> uh... I was mad about the second because I didn't think we had any hope then, but I was okay. like, we maybe solve the problem, the the fake problem at least yeah. of a, of a tough stay at home D man who were you, can hit. Were but were were you basically in the same camp? Like, oh well, at least we got a good defense. No, no, because I had also not heard of Eric Branson. Okay, before okay, that. no, fair yeah. enough. Because like Eric Branson may have been drafted like second overall or whatever it was, but he also fell off the radar for a while because he was in Florida. Yeah, he was drafted second overall in the same way Rafi Torres was drafted like fourth overall or Cam Barker was whatever. I wanted to test how much consent manufacturing works. And the answer is less than I would have thought. So well, that's fair. For, for me, OEL marketed as like the underrated a Swedish puck moving defenseman yeah. who is really safe and or, or really secure and trustworthy and dependable on the back end on a on a on a rough franchise totally and yeah. always just seemed like you know hopefully that guy goes somewhere better and he's going to bloom uh but I had an assumption that his underlying numbers were good uh that was shattered very quickly yeah see because they but they were good is the thing like they were good yeah yeah but in the last two, three years. And then I also was in the place where my assumption again was, well, the coyotes are a dog shit team. So 
if he was with us, he'd be better. And then I absolutely forgot that the Canucks are also have also had a dog shit defense. And apparently, as pointed out by, I think, Dom Lezision, worse than the Coyotes. So. Yeah. So as Elliot uh, sort of muttered, muttered under his breath there, the thing about that is that OEL, by the kind of stuff that I value, by the kind of stuff that I look at as a guy who uh, genuinely, by my own admission, like does not have a fantastic eye test and is not close enough to the sort of boots on the ground stuff to have a good sense of why players might be under or overperforming for reasons other than just like shooting percentage bender, et cetera, et cetera. By the stuff that I value, OEL has been cooked for closer to like five years. Yeah, that was a huge surprise to me. And like, that's sort of the thing that I think is just surprising to a lot of people. I actually think Tyler Myers is like a really great comparable. I was thinking the same thing. Which is really, really sad. The difference is that OEL was genuinely much better than Myers when he was good. When he was good for longer. But he took the road less traveled by being a puck moving, sort of not overly physical Swedish defenseman that peaked at 24 and declined very rapidly, which is just not a thing that we see from that type of defender. Usually Mm -hmm. we, we tend to assume that guys like that usually age pretty well, but recent research into aging curves shows that it's actually a lot more likely than we probably even realize. Normally the decline happens later into the twenties than it did for OEL. I, I will say, before I go any further, I guess, into like slamming it, I'm going to give the the glass half full take just to say that I did it, just to acknowledge that I'm not obtuse and that I, I'm not like shocked that they did it. It makes perfect sense why they did it. You look at the pieces going out and you look at the pieces going in and you're like, OK, like not everything about this is bad. It's not baffling. It's just bad. It's just Regular old, like you lost this trade, not in, not maybe not spectacularly, but uh, the way that the Canucks generally have lost trades for the past seven years. They just lost it with a lot of money on the line. Yeah. Much bigger way. Like I I think kind of after a lot of this gets uh, hashed out, this is uh, first for Connor Garland trade. Yeah, so I think there's a way that you can look at this as it's the three camp, the three cap dumps for OEL. So trading one really painful year for of however much money that is for the Albrecht and Larson contract, which is obviously not good and spreads out a little bit of pain for a long time. And then you look at it as being a pile of draft picks for Connor Garland and then we're just relitigating the JT Miller trade. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which uh, I just want to say, uh, because you brought it up, history will absolve me. Um, history did absolve you. I I would argue that is correct. <laughs> but uh, for those of you that are still holding on, it's okay. Uh, I always play the long game. History will absolve me. I will give the glass half full take, though, which is, you know, number one, Connor Garland. Good player. Genuinely good hockey player. Good mustache too. 
we'll 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 save the whole whatever his politics are. He's for. he's he's a chud, but not in any way that is interesting or funny. So he's not like notable. He's hockey chud. He's he's his chud per sixty is average. People think I yeah. It's like people think I like am going through. Some people do do this. Like I'm not fucking going through players like Instagram likes or shit because I don't like. That's not funny. No. People posting stuff is funny. People yes. melting down is funny. Like I don't care about a hockey player having the politics that of course he's going to have like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just yeah. by my like analysis of how the world works. But if one of them is really loud about it in a stupid way or in a funny way, or there's any way to mine content out of what's out of it whatsoever, then yeah, of course I'm going to talk about it. Um, but like in the world of uh, online chuds, I don't like girls completely homo reigns supreme like Connor Garland's <laughs> Connor Garland's Instagram likes do not they can't carry I don't like girls completely homos jock they don't deserve to carry their jock <laughs> um, mixing sports metaphors in a very bad way I'm sorry <laughs> no 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 that's good. anyways that's good. yeah don't care about that uh, so Connor Garland good they uh, paid him money that is pretty like it it's fine like it makes sense just uh, under five million dollars for five years not a deal but they locked him in for a long time we can talk about why in a vacuum you can say that's a good thing and why it might actually be a bad thing in a second because in context that means that this trade didn't actually free up any cap space for next year yeah so we'll talk about that in a yeah. second but i want to i want to focus on the positive elements first so I, I'm, I'm just not gonna i'm not gonna get scared when money is given to a guy who's under 30 like yeah, that sure. with, with his underlying yeah. numbers, it's the other, it's the guys who that when it goes in through their thirties. So is, is when I piss my pants, Connor Garland, good player will help them next year. Uh, forward group looks not bad. Actually. Like they have an actual top six. They have a few wingers that can move around. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's as soon as one of them yeah. gets hurt, you're just straight back to last year, but whatever. Uh, yeah. If you, have the magical year that happens like one in every seven where you get really lucky with injuries. Uh, Maybe you've broken through some kind of, maybe you have a really great sports science department or something. And you're really confident that you can buck the trend on injuries. I don't know. There's shit behind the curtain that I don't know about, but like, yeah, yeah, no, uh, Aquilini's top men are, uh, they're in a lab with a bunch of different types of meat and potatoes. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Connor Garland, good player will help them next year. A la JT Miller. And subject, but subject to the same criticisms that JT Miller was. So whatever, copy paste, and it will continue to copy paste until we see some consistent movement in the right direction. That's just how it is. Yeah. It's just how it works. There will be doubters until you prove them wrong. That is part of the process of building a good team is proving the doubters wrong. Jim Benning has had seven plus years to do that and he hasn't done it. So it's on him to do that. I'm not interested in relitigating that stuff. I, I also am the kind of guy who has some time for the idea that a guy like OEL yeah. being put in a completely different market, yeah. a completely different team. And also who knows, maybe honestly, like with the Sedins up there. Yeah. Uh, Cause I know the city, like the Sedins have got to have had some sort of influence on that. I'm not going to say that they pull the trigger on this or, or making betting do this, but you know, uh, he asked him a little bit about it, but yeah, uh, change of environment from a team that isn't run by, no, they're also run by insane idiot billionaires. Uh, but uh, I, Which team isn't? So this brings me to positive thing number two. I'm open to it. 
which is that if you are simply looking at player value, there is no denying that the players that went out are worse than the players that came in. As a pack of players making a Schrodinger's box amount of money, the collection of players that the Canucks netted is better than the collection of players that the Coyotes netted. Players, yes. That's that's assets. just the reality. Like assets, forget about assets, but players. Okay. Right? So just 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 set that aside. Just go back to Francesco Aquilini from ten years ago and say, well, All right, fuck it, we don't drunk. care if this guy sucks. We'll put him on Roby Da Island two years from now, <laughs> and we'll pay him his stupid amount of money, and that's it. Whatever, who cares? But it's worth the. It's I'm I am as the as the dumb fail son new money owner i'm like fine fuck it whatever we're, we're moving on he'll he'll be what's his name that uh that defenseman we got from florida in 2011 fuck I, i'm i'm trying to google uh, uh the guy who hip checked and exploded keith uh, ballard keith ballard yeah this is gonna be another keith ballard yeah, totally more and, and that's the thing is that like we've seen this before oel's contract is so long and so onerous and Jim Benning is in the stone cutters. So <laughs> you might like be able to make that disappear. Like there might be a way for to, from an asset perspective, make that disappear. Yes. Yes. And Hey, Hey, it's also one asset you can get rid of rather than three. Yeah. Uh, and the Canucks will, as we've seen in this off season so far, they will buy a player out if yeah. they really so need to. All, all of the like positive things that I'm saying are going to be disproven by the negative things that I'm going to say. But like on the whole, I can kind of see how like from from the dumb guy going with your gut perspective where like time doesn't matter and money doesn't matter. And all that matters is 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 right. The, is the here and now in this moment is guys. All that matters is guys. All that matters is the guys like, yeah, OK, you know, OEL, there are contextual factors to consider with OEL, like maybe there's a reason why he's been bad for five years and you can buck the trend. It's not impossible. It's happened before. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about his personal life. Yeah. He's never been anywhere else. Uh, so who knows? But I also know that like he already isn't worth that contract. He definitely won't be worth that contract in 2027 when it expires or 2026. Right. So my hesitation sorry. about OEL is that even if he has a bounce back season or two, he still has a really long, really expensive contract. He's not going to have an $8 million bounce back season. Like you traded Louis Erickson in the last year of his deal for worse, more expensive Louis Erickson, potentially. Yeah. For long, for as long, basically, or virtually as long. Right. Like you're right. extending the pain for longer. But what, what I'm, what I will say is that from like a fan perspective and particularly from like a dumb guy perspective or just from a like, Forget about like setting aside the morality play of asset management. If the if the consequence of this is just that the owner pays way more money to make his problems disappear, why do I care? Yeah, like I yeah. genuinely right. don't. Right, like if it costs the product on the ice, I will care. Yeah, and it probably will. I would say like at best, there's a fifty fifty chance that OEL is every bit as bad as he's looked for the past five years next year. That's that is at least as likely as happening as anything else. If it goes down that way, he's cooked on year one of his 
contract that goes until 2026 and you probably can't get rid of him for another like three years. Yeah. Like you are not going to be able to play Mulligan on OEL the way you did with Braden Holtby and Nate Schmidt. This just feels like we just re-signed Edler for three more years, but slightly younger for way more money. Like that's kind of all it does. It just fills up. Yeah, that pretty spot. much. Even money and even contracts. I think I'd rather have Edler at this point. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I, w- I would as well. Like not even like this is not even like a sentimental. Th- this is not like a sentimental thing. This is just like a, I. I mean, I wouldn't want either of these players in either of these deals. But like, <laughs> yeah. Also, unlike Jim Benning, I will move off of my actual mistakes very quickly. Uh, everything I said about Edler in the last episode was wrong. Uh, he's clearly <laughs> leaving. Oops. You know, I didn't. I didn't want to overreact, but uh, yeah, we can. You know, R.I.P. Alex Edler. We'll talk about you soon. I think the obvious flaws with this trade are like are that you you're carrying around that much dead salary that's going to affect your ability to sign other players the way we've seen for the past half a dozen years that that's just going to continue into 2026 but i also can't discount the possibility that the taps really did get turned off last year and they really are getting turned back on now and that the business considerations aren't going to make sense from a hockey standpoint over when you look at it from a year right, to because year. Because if period. you're Aquilini and you're a dumb guy, you're thinking, hey, wait a second, I'm going to be able to have people in my arena yeah. in October. Yeah. yeah, I want names on the backs of jerseys. I want Ekman Larson. I want, I mean, Connor Garland's not really a name, but he still will get, draw some eyes and, you know, maybe you can fill up some seats. Maybe you can sell some season tickets and get people. There's something to this. It's a bad bet, but there is something to it. So I guess you can say like the degree to which JT Miller surprised me in his first year has humbled me slightly, but like ultimately it doesn't matter. Like ultimately I know, as I said, history will absolve me on all of this stuff, but like the Canucks have been locked in to where they are now since they traded for JT Miller pretty much. So who cares? Enjoy the ride. Connor Garland hopefully will be fun. It's not a given that he's going to be fun. He's not a sure thing. I think that like needs to be underlined based on aging curves, based on the fact that his NHL tracker track record really only spans a couple of seasons. Like he could, they could have just uh, locked in a guy who peaked last year. Like that's Mm -hmm. a possibility. That's as possible as OEL bouncing back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like uh, ultimately, I just think there are way more possible scenarios where there where this turns out horribly for the Canucks than that it turns out well. I think that's enough on that transaction itself because the next series of transactions will dovetail nicely into kind of uh, looking at the whole picture. So uh, we'll start with the more boring ones, which are Nate Schmidt. I believe as one Twitter user whose name I cannot remember put it. The Canucks canceled their free trial before it expired. <laughs> what can you say about that? Except, oops. Oops, and at least you got a draft pick out of it, I guess. But it's genuinely yeah, it funny. It just didn't happen. When considered in conjunction with all of the other things that happened that offseason, how is this not like the funniest possible outcome? To just like be chasing OEL and then music stops and there's no chair for you. And so you're stuck with Nate Schmidt 
That's the best you can do now because all your free agents have left and you didn't land the defenseman you were trying to land. And also you didn't think all the free agents were going to leave. You thought like two, maybe three, but certainly not all four were going to leave. So you, you wind up with Nate Schmidt as like your best possible pulling an option out of my ass at the last possible second. Then next offseason, the guy you were initially chasing becomes available again. You grab him and immediately trade your uh, silver medal for exactly what you paid for him. He has ADHD. Absolutely. All of these decisions scream executive dysfunction disorder. Absolutely. Yeah. It rocks. It's super funny. And it doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Whatever. It's yeah. so stupid. It's so stupid. And, and and like, when you watch everything else that's happened, like, I understand people getting frustrated, but it doesn't matter. Whatever. It's just, it just funny. It doesn't matter. All, all the same shit keeps happening. Nothing's going to change until... Time is a flat gone. circle. Yeah, there's uh, nothing much else. I just know that uh, he's wanted out. Yeah. Can, can we explore that topic just slightly? For a good month, there has been rock-solid reporting from multiple people in the Vancouver media that Nate Schmidt wanted out and was going to get traded. And for a month, a huge segment of the fan base and also, like, kind of the media, like, if if we're really being honest here, like, as those two things are starting to fuse more and more, which I think like we are going to reach a singularity pretty soon where like the media and the fans are like, may as well be the same fucking thing. I think by the way, I think JD was one of the first, if not the first to report the Nate thing. I mean, JD was the one I can say this now, I, I think, cause it's, it's all out there. JD was, was the one who told me and he has known for months. I heard about this in the winter. But also like, Schmidt wanting out makes so much sense because you go from a team that is a Stanley Cup threat to this team, which is like going in reverse, basically. And it's you're also the guy who gets traded off of Vegas because they don't have cap space anymore. So you're basically getting cut. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. shit, you're going to carry this like negative attitude into going into Vancouver where it's like, oh, yeah, so I got kicked off the good team. And now I'm on this like tire fire. Him wanting out is both completely logical and not a surprise. Yeah, that's true. Like Arizona is the team that's trying to get relegated. Like the Canucks are bad, but that this is the thing. The Canucks are just regular bad now. Congratulations. The Canucks are 2018 bad now, I think, because now yeah. that the, the taps are flowing. Yeah. Now, now the, exp- <laughs> the mistakes are expensive. Again. The Canucks are now like average for Canada. Congratulations. You wanted a team that would look okay in comparison to Edmonton and you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but we're locked in now. So whatever, <laughs> like this is, there is a train on a track until the general manager and ownership like changes in some meaningful degree. And I, to some meaningful degree. And I don't mean like Francesco Aquilini selling the team necessarily. I just mean like Francesco's outlook will have to change. The train is on the track. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Uh, what were we, what were we talking about a second ago? Sorry. Rumors out. Yeah, right. I, I just have to touch on the fact that like, yeah, for for a month, people like outright denied that that was true, said it was being made up and it happened. And it's like, uh, what the fuck? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to like go down the rabbit hole too much because I feel like it'll make me sound like an MSNBC lib, but it's just like 
you have multiple sources reporting that a thing is happening. Like, can you not like say they're lying to me? I guess in this like world, in this climate where like the media really is lying to you about like shit that actually matters and is serious. It just like, they're not lying to you about this, about this fucking thing. They have better shit to worry about. Yeah. They're too busy, like laundering Jake for reputation. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff they lie about. It's not this. When Now, whenever I see that sources say, I assume it's a GM or an AGM who is the source. Or an agent, depending on what the news or, is. Or an agent. It just means that one of these three types of people yeah. believes this thing is happening. And maybe that they're saying this for a reason. Like maybe an agent is saying this to put pressure on someone negotiating through the media. Mm. A report is someone in the organization, someone with a relationship to the organization told me this. That's what a report it's a, is. It's a press release from one of them. Basically. If it comes from, if you hear one from a bunch of different places, that means there is a bunch of different people with a bunch of different competing interests that are all saying that the same thing's going to happen. Yeah. That means it's probably going to happen. Things can change. It's not complicated though. If you can't underline where the media is getting it right and underline how they actually work, then you can't even criticize them. Like you, yeah. you can't even begin to do the necessary work of like pointing out the shit that they are fucking up. All I'm saying is like, once again, history absolved me. The thing that I said was going to happen happened because I knew it was going to happen. You can bitch and moan all you want about how I'm making it up. I will be proven right because I'm not lying because why would I do that? Better things to worry about. Anyways. It's so nice to do a podcast with Nostradamus or Jackson <laughs> McNutsack. I mean, the, the thing is, is that like the point of the show is that I'm stupid and I'm still right most of the time. This would be a great way to have the image for this episode be the photo of you with the Pink Whitney. Oh, yeah. Let's do that. That's a great yeah, idea. Oh, yeah, for sure. Braden Holtby, anything to anything to remark upon there before we move on? Poor guy. Seemed like a nice dude. I just hope his turtles are okay. I hope his turtles are great. Uh, I it, it feels like the same things that we kind of said about Nate Schmidt being like, yeah. Well, that happened, and then it didn't. I'm sorry, but I, this is genuinely a huge piece of news that we have not covered on the show that we just have to briefly touch on because it. it Mike Gillis finally lands another job in hockey. Hell yeah! Consultant yeah, with the noise. NHLPA. Congratulations. I'm very happy about that. Huge ups to our brother in arms, Spencer Gillis. Happy for your paw. Very happy for your paw. Boy. I hope he is the kind of consultant for the players union that I hope that he is, which is somebody who wants to absolutely grind the fucking league into oblivion <laughs> on behalf of the players that play for it. He's ruthless. He was a, he was, he's been ruthless at every stage of his uh, career. And I lo- I am looking forward to in a relative sense, him being ruthless on the side of the good guys in the situation that we're talking about. Bad guys in every other situation, but the good guys in this situation. Just for context, he was uh, hired by the NHLPA, uh, I think, around July 16th, so a couple of weeks ago from recording. Yeah. Um, he was hired as a consultant on business matters. Yeah. And it seemed like from uh, Drance's article in The Athletic that it was talking about kind of a, it's a trial run because sure. the guy who runs the NHLPA is retiring soon or contract oh, something, something. So <laughs> they are thinking about having him take on take on the job later, which... Awesome. I would I would love to learn more about that. 
I look at the landscape right now and I just think like, there's no way the players on the whole can be happy with ownership and how the league operates. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if they're looking around and thinking like, we need to, we need to go a little bit harder here. I just hope he uses it as an opportunity to just like absolutely fuck the Aquilanians as many times as possible. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So congrats to, to the Gillises. Yeah. I cannot wait for Spencer to come on and tell us all the inner workings of how this works and to get his dad in trouble. If we were to stop doing the show tomorrow and I heard from Spencer Gillis in 20 years, like I'll go on Roxy fever. I would <laughs> have a new Roxy. Fever. <laughs> come back like, for an episode. I just come back. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so Circling back to Braden Holtby, the only thing I wanted to talk about with that is just sort of how it connects to a broader thing, which is that why is it that the transparent lack of consideration for the team's players is never brought up as a reason why players don't want to sign here? Like we've seen it multiple times, like everybody being pissed that like no one communicated with them over the offseason. And then watching Markstrom and Toffoli, et cetera, et cetera, walk. And then, you know, a guy, uh, a team taking a huge like dice roll on Braden Holpe, talking him up, talking about him as if he's a potential like one, one a how, uh, you know, there's a huge media rollout about what a great fit he's going to be in Vancouver. What an awesome guy he is uh, builds up a ton of goodwill with, with the fan base, like, and then just gone bought out in the second window, not even like traded, no salary retention, nothing. Just, just bought out. Just fuck you. After plenty of teams already have their goalie tendons figured out. Yeah. After like just fucking his chance of getting another job. Like I'm not saying that he doesn't like that. That isn't the smart play from a business perspective or whatever. Like, but if you're going to talk about why players don't want to come to Vancouver and you're going to be blaming it on like, oh, Twitter's toxic or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's something to do with management and like your actual job. Yeah. What do you think actually matters to players? Job security, uh, direction, conditions, work conditions, or menchies? What do you think matters more to them? Fucking grow up and, and stop taking the bait. <laughs> Stop taking the bait every single every, every single time somebody talks about negativity or like an agent yeah. brings it up. By the way, uh, I don't know how many other people pointed this out as well, but that what was it? So Donnie and Dolly had uh, OEL's agent on, who also happened to be Vertanen's agent. Okay, yes. Ep, the other shit he said in that interview that was not brought up and like not amplified as much was he was defending the Montreal pick of the player that I I will not even say the name of. Well, but I is- actually know his name, but I'm not going to fucking say his name. Just to touch on that negativity thing, like, yeah, I don't I, I don't really even want to dignify it with a response, but like, mm-hmm. but I do have to bring up like when you have once again, like transparent examples of you treating your players like shit, uh, particularly uh, we somehow still haven't gotten to Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, who are the apparently Canucks last priority to get under a uh contract and and there are some people saying oh no this is a great strategy to grind them down they are not the fucking guys you're supposed to be grinding down yeah yeah where was this grinding on your depth players who ultimately don't who ultimately are replaceable you are gonna grind down the two most talented players at their position in the team's history and you're gonna grind them down by going into free agency where Pedersen is vulnerable to an offer sheet 
your 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 communication through the media with Quinn Hughes this off season is we'll match and we think OEL is our number one defenseman. But the thing that's going to drive players out of town is the media being too negative. The, the correct response when people bring this up is baby bottle emoji. Huge fart noise. Because that's what the shit is. It is uh, a rattle for babies to look at, to be distracted from the stuff that actually matters. Um, which, speaking of the stuff that actually matters, our final note of business here is to talk about Jake Furtanen. Good riddance. Bye, bitch. You're fat. You sucked. <laughs> um, and that is often the worst things you could say about a player, but turns out uh, you're also a fucking piece of shit off the ice. Um, fuck you. I hope we never have to hear your name again. Uh, wow. Excellent. Excellent. I don't, I don't even know what to add on to that. Except, except for maybe that there's way too many people who hung on to the fact there's only one accusation out in the ether for a while when that is never how this fucking works. Well, there's seven now, so... Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like when it when it first came oh, we out, actually every, have a, we have a number now. Yeah, yeah, it's at least seven. I knew there was multiple, but stories about people's behavior go around. And I've been hearing bad things about Jake Vertanen for a long, long time. I had no idea how deep the rabbit hole went. I had no idea it was going to be seven people come forward with uh, with awful stories. No idea it was going to be that bad. His name has been around in the kind of off ice stuff that gets Europeans jettisoned after like one year, you know, like that's the reality. If if this is uh, Jakob Virtanen from Helsinki, <laughs> he's not an NHL player. This is a player who genuinely is the poster boy for lazy, entitled, soft can't win puck battles, garbage along the boards. Every Don Cherry-ism that you could possibly say about a player is true of Jake Vertanen. If the league gave a single shit about things like character and hard work, there would be no Jake Vertanens in the league. Guy was a chump. He peaked at 16. And, I mean, we can decide what kind of fucking psychology is at play there, I guess. Um I mean, the Jake Vertanen saga, like, what can you even say? It's just it's just garbage top to bottom. Like, like the obviously the hockey aspect of it doesn't even really matter, but it, it is just hilarious. Like that a guy that bad got that many chances because he was from Abbotsford uh, and his parents were friends with the owner. Utterly ridiculous. I, I don't know if this is pushing back on the on the European part of this, but like Slava Voinov almost got a bunch more chances. That's true. But I but guess the difference there might Voinov be this. Good. Like yeah, Elliot's right. That he's. I know that that shouldn't be a factor here. That's general man. That's general manager logic. But it, it's general manager logic, which, as we see with what Bergevin, the the horseshit Bergevin just pulled. God, what a terrible like that that back to back end of the draft of those two picks of uh, the Montreal Canadians select with the 31st overall pick uh, sex criminal who said he didn't want to be drafted followed by the Chicago Blackhawks going out and saying, follow these wonderful gals, just an absolute insult yeah. to, to 
anyone who watched that, like anyone. Yes. I very quickly just turned it off after, after like during the, during the, uh, the Montreal yeah, pick. Absolutely. I didn't want, I didn't want to hear more people try to do discourse about it. I will be honest with you. The hockey world surprised me on this one because uh, I saw a lot of old school hockey men who were like, who just trashed it. Like, instinctively immediately like sam cosentino who you know is one of my like bet noirs was, which which uh wizard of oz character is he again cowardly lion cowardly lion okay yeah he's the guy who looks like the cowardly lion um whose observation was that was that cody who told us that i think yeah. that was cody good great observation yeah uh cause like cosentino he did not rip a single draft pick except the montreal canadians draft pick I, I was surprised how many people just were outright were like, no, this is repugnant. So, you know, <laughs> baby steps, I guess. But um, I guess I just wish there was something like I was going to say that, well, I wish you would do something about it. I don't know what they can do about it, but I wish there was something they could do about it. Can the player in question relinquish his rights? Because that's what that's what he should do if he can do it. Right. Like, like if, if he was serious about his apology, he should relinquish his rights. Well, cause he could just not sign. Right. I suppose like uh, he hasn't signed an ELC yet. So we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go too deep into that because it's just the same. It's the same things we're always saying. Like it's just Mark Bergevin to come out and say, yeah, no, I didn't know anything about the sex crimes. Also, here's the sex criminal we just drafted. Also, here's the guy, here's Slavovoina, who I made a huge pitch to get. Yeah. And he also made a play for Tony D. Who might be going to Carolina. With Jake Vertanen. I really hope Carolina's not doing that. I hate that. this fucking sport so much. I hate all, I, like, all of these people should be in jail. I know. <laughs> a jail of my design and of my control and only. Yeah. But, Which would be a nice jail. Yeah, not for them, but. <laughs> um, Good answer. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, lob that ball to you and see if you decided to spike it or Bergevin's too Bergevin is too old for for any uh, he's too old and he's too French for any <laughs> uh, don't finish that sentence the the whole thing is just nonsense but the sport continues to just prove that like it doesn't take this shit seriously and it is not equipped to uh, handle it at all in any capacity talk about it even it doesn't it doesn't want to it, it has made every decision whether it's in responding to these hor horrendous actions or okay look i i was bringing this up to somebody else but do you remember when at the end of the season when like the new york rangers uh with the whole tom wilson shit and they basically got jeff gorton fired or like the league yeah. got just stepped in to get gorton fired because they're like mm, that's our line we're not gonna let that happen yeah uh whatever that was yeah, could have fucking done that here. Yeah. But they clearly do not care. They think that women don't care about hockey and rightfully women should not care about hockey if this is the way. Why would you if this sport's going to treat you like this? Want to highlight a great piece. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the uh, description by Kat Silverman. Mm -hmm. I worked with Kat a little bit uh, at Canucks Army a few years ago. She's great. She's a consummate professional. Um, she's very smart. Yeah, she's uh, she's wonderful. Uh, I don't know her that well, but to the extent that I have interacted with her, she's fantastic. Uh, very knowledgeable. She wrote a great piece about this issue for the star. Um, 
Vias, I know you made a promise not to say the name, but I have to because it's in the headline. Um, the piece is called The Montreal Canadiens Drafting Logan Mayu is a Slap in the Face to Fans. It's excellent. I, I recommend reading it. It's just a very uh, quick, succinct, plain language look at just what an, uh, what an insult it is to even do that, to even make that pick. But one of the things that she highlighted in the article that I thought was really great is she actually just crunched the numbers. Like She actually just showed us the numbers on like what the makeup of hockey fans is the gender makeup. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in Canada, 45 over 45% of hockey fans are women. That's, that's like a lot more than you'd think, right. Based on how the sport treats women to have a 45, 55 split. Like, yeah. Especially considering how much we've heard that like over the past 20 years, the average age of an NHL fan has gone up 19 years. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Like. Absolutely. Like I and, and and I make this point not to say that the that therefore there's not a problem. I make this point to say even from a crass commercial perspective, you're you're you just, are pissing on forty-five percent of your fans at least. Exactly. You're just alienating your own fan base, even if it wasn't like morally wrong. Even if you have no moral compass, this is still not a good business decision. Why are you doing this? It's morally, it's like commercially wrong. Because it's a social club, it's not a product. It does not even operate by its own logic. Like it, it, it has literally reached the point where and there's a word for this, but the institutions only care about perpetuating the conditions for the people who inhabit them. And they don't even do what they're supposed to do anymore. So like the hockey's fucking worse too. <laughs> it's all worse. It's all bad anyways, but returning to, uh, the topic of Jake Vertanen, I do have a little piece of reading material here um, that I want to get to. But before I get to it, I just want to quickly uh, give the floor to you guys to just, you know, do a final RIP to Jake Vertanen. I don't want to hear about his name ever again. Is where yeah. I'm at. Unless mm, redacted, but yeah. Yeah, no. Um, there's nothing more to say about this, I don't think. Like, just a very, very bad story from his beginning there are many people i am thinking about right now and pointing at the image i have of them in my head and going shame 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 on you a lot of people truly for the things you said for the things you haven't said the things you haven't said especially yeah absolutely uh, just also in a week where like do you need more reasons why it's horrible for you to not talk about chicago if you're a reporter oh yeah if you're an nhl executive uh if you're an nhl person at, at all i hope these people do not sleep well at night i hope redacted again yeah horrendous it's it's a horrendous sport there's a reason this this hot this this podcast is angry all the time. There are many good reasons, and this week we had like four or five good reasons. I think to myself sometimes, like, oh, like this is stupid. Like, why do I do a podcast about like a hockey team I hate? <laughs> like, why do I why do I keep doing this? And it's just like because there's shit like this, and pe people keep not talking about it the way mm, it should be. Yeah, talking yeah, about. yeah. No, it's yeah, just like I have enough, to. Fair enough. Like you know, like and and I mean like. I mean that uh, genuinely because it's like sometimes I'm like, well, why waste time on hockey? You know, because someone has to. I remember C. Morley talking about this when the Sharks picked up Evander Kane. Yeah, they did an excellent job on that piece. Friend of the show. Yeah. I, I kind of think of their point about how, like, you know, if Evander goes off and has a hat trick, they'll say, 
Evander Kane had three goals and that's it. Like you just, you report it because it is a fact that you probably should mention, but you don't say had a great game. You don't say, you know, was clutch. You just say, you know, you put it in the box score. You just like, here's a fact. Yeah. It's okay to take, it is okay to take a moral stance on things like this. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll add to, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's anybody who could possibly be listening to this right now who would also mutter like innocent until proven guilty to themselves. I I like to think by this point, we've alienated anyone who would say that, but like innocent until proven guilty, like may have some purchase when there's one story, when there's seven, something bad happened. Sorry. And innocent and proven guilty is a, I mean, it's a legal concept saying this, not Vyas, but yeah, it is a legal concept for criminal cases it's very good that that is the legal standard for criminal cases because the power of the state should not be, you know, wielded lightly, but this is not the state. This is, um, this is my, this is my entertainment. This is my, my large boys playing stick puck. Like, yeah. Yeah. We can just play it safe. There's a player who didn't do this stuff who deserves this opportunity. Yeah. It is a, it is a privilege to play in the NHL. It is a privilege to work for the NHL, all of these things are privileges. And I, th- I don't think that a lot of people that have these privileges deserve them or have earned them with their behavior. Sports are supposed to celebrate the pinnacle of human achievement, right? That's the point. Y- you being able to be in the league is one of the luckiest privileges ever. Yeah. If, if it shouldn't, it, it's not your right to be in the league. Yeah, and every single guy who's going off with innocent until proven guilty is the same guy who will go after a player for holding out for an extra exactly. 100K saying, you are so lucky you're playing a kid's game for a living, but then a player is you know, credibly accused by seven different women of heinous things, and it's like, oh, well, now it's innocent until proven guilty. Now it's his right to make a living doing this. Yeah. I, I, I will say, um, I think speaking for all of us, that we say this as people who will go to the fucking wall for you. If you're getting fucked over for real, I, I highlight when players are getting fucked over reputationally in the media, certainly financially or condition wise. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so if I, if I think that they deserve the things that they've earned, then I think that those things can be taken away if you don't deserve them. It's that simple. Yeah. Go, go and get a fucking job at an auto zone. Like everybody else. Yeah. Millions of people do it every day. Yeah. I am terribly sorry that you as a former rich athlete fucked up your chance. And the worst case scenario for you is that you might have to live like me. Fuck. I don't care. (laughs) Like I, I just don't care. Like go, go fucking work. You know, like, uh, uh, Donald Brashear went and got a job out of Tim Hortons. Mm-hmm. You can do that too. Yeah. Jake Pretendon has already made $7.1 million US in his career. Yeah, exactly. He's fine. He'll be I fine. think he's okay. Yeah. But speaking of Jake Pretendon's hurt feelings, it would be remiss of me not to take this opportunity to do a rare Vancouver hockey reading series. Most of our reading series are about the broader sort of hockey world, but this is a This is the kind of article I initially envisioned reading on the show when I thought it was going to be a hockey show, but it just so perfectly uh, lines up with with all of the things we discussed today. 
And I'm talking, of course, about Vias. Actually, before I get to the piece of reading material, did you want to just go over uh, what it was you were alluding to earlier that Epp said in the interview that got no play and instead the negative oh, media got the play? It, it, he was, all, all it was was he was uh, coming to the, the defense of the Montreal draft pick. Uh, I don't remember the specifics of it, but he was he was pretty. Uh, he he went straight to the wall with uh, with it with his take being that he still deserves to be a pick that he he will. I don't want to put words in his mouth. The words that did come out were absolutely horrible. But yeah, he came to his defense. Um, he was justifying the pick, in in effect, that that's what he was doing. And this is also the agent for Jake Vertanen. So uh, and OEL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but with, but with Vertanen, when it comes to how Vertanen might be picked up at the Canes, like he obviously is not going to say anything bad about Vertanen because he wants, he wants this asshole uh, to still get, get money so he can get money. You can consider the source here, like, uh, because your source for it is me. I'm not going to like go any deeper than that. But um, I can say with more or less complete confidence too that when Mike Epp is, talking to the media and saying the negative, the negativity in this market really gets to the players. Sometimes he's not talking about people saying OEL makes too much money. He's talking about Jake Vertanen. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking about Jake Vertanen being held partially accountable for sex crimes, probable sex crimes, alleged sex crimes, whatever you want to call them. But that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about Tyler Myers is a giraffe. So, this is uh, somehow the first appearance by a longtime friend of the show, Ian McIntyre. There's no way that's true, but in terms of a reading series, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is it's funny because, like I said, would have thought. But uh, the article is called Canucks move on from Vertanen after tumultuous, disappointing six years. So already I don't like this. <laughs> this is going to be about fucking hockey. And this is the. I don't want to hear anything about his hockey play, to be honest. It's not ongoing legal issues that have ended in Jake Vertanen's time with the Vancouver Canucks. It's hockey issues. I think it's the legal issues. I mean, here's the thing. He's probably right. Why does why? Why are we talking about that? Why do you need to highlight that? Why do you need to underline that? You're you're supposed you are best friends with everybody in the Canucks front front office. Why aren't you stepping on this landmine for them? Oh, I better not repeat that. That's gonna get them in trouble. Just say nothing. Instead, you're like, just so you know, the legal issues have nothing to do with it. This is purely about hockey. Mm -hmm. Well, it shouldn't be. But if it was purely about hockey, they wouldn't have signed him last year. Yeah. Yeah. Vertanen's deployment stagnated to the point he played himself out of Coach Travis Green's lineup five times last season. And the 24-year-old from Abbotsford finished the pandemic campaign with just five goals and no assists. Blah, 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 blah. By the time general manager Jim Benning made the decision to place for Tannen on unconditional waivers, <coughs> the Canucks simply needed the winger's cap space. The buyout will be more painless than, than Vertanen's erratic development in six years with his hometown team. Followed by some salary information, it was an easy decision for the Canucks to buy out Vertanen, but one they delayed for a week in the faint hope that teams that had previously expressed an interest in the former sixth overall pick might still be willing to accept him in in a trade. So we are now like halfway through this article and there's just, there's no information about like what his legal issues are. Do you, do you think this job pays better than being technically the Canucks report, like Canucks own PR person, like their Derek Dreyer or whatever, like why not just take that job? I, I don't know. Yeah. The reason why I don't feel bad about like going after these guys is because eventually they all fucking step in these bear traps. 
So like, I don't feel bad about being mean to them about their bad hockey takes because eventually that like, I'm sorry, the willingness to suck up to power is a bad quality. And it, it will like, it will become insidious at some point. Like you do it over stupid shit, but you'll do That means you'll do it over big shit too. Mm-hmm. The player was placed on indefinite leave by the Canucks on May 1st when reports surfaced of an alleged sexual assault in 2017. Okay, so we're finally there. Vertanen is subject to an ongoing criminal investigation as well as a civil suit filed by a woman in B.C. Supreme Court in Kelowna in May. More than Vertanen's NHL future is uncertain, the Canucks' decision to terminate his contract is draped in symbolism. We get through relitigating the whole thing about him being a local boy, and then they picked him over Tyler Toffoli, basically, with their signing decisions. Vertanen's downfall as a Canuck was not only that he failed to develop into a top six power forward, uh, but that he failed to play consistently with the physical presence he displayed on occasion, yada, yada, yada. Um, So at least we're admitting that he was not actually particularly good at hockey. Um, So credit there. The point that I really want to highlight here, however, is the last paragraph, which is, I think, maybe the most unnecessary paragraph uh, in the history of Vancouver Canucks reporting. Vertanen loved being selected by his boyhood team and mostly loved playing for the Canucks. He meant well as a player, tried to improve his game. He endured without complaint the withering scrutiny of the market. But Vertanen never came close to fulfilling expectations and becoming the player he is capable of being. Now he'll need to try somewhere else if someone gives him the chance. I like how they write about Vertanen like this, but they never wrote about this for like Goldobin. Yeah, you know, or how they never wrote this for Troy Stetcher, who like actually is from yeah. Greater Vancouver. Yeah, this shit is not tremendously complicated. Like, well, of course not. We're being sarcastic. <laughs> no, no, I just mean, I just mean like when when you when you attack this from like a moral standpoint, the shit's not extremely complicated. Like, most of the problems in the world stem from some sort of power imbalance, and if you don't understand like how power is imbalanced, then you don't understand anything. And you are totally unqualified to talk about anything that connects to like the broader world, which is everything. <laughs> um, yeah. We we've talked about like his um, his play uh, long enough, but I just have to stress like what absolute revisionist history all of this is like endured without complaint the withering scrutiny of the market dude used to like show up 45 minutes late for media availability he was an asshole he treated the media the fan base the people he interacted with like shit he was an entitled brat and uh he got what he deserved and um if you aren't willing to say that then say nothing imagine just the absolute cuckoldry uh, uh of carrying water for Jake Vertanen on his way out the door. I regret nothing. Yeah, Ian, Ian deserves all the all the poop you threw at him. They they you as a as a little pig in in slop uh throw at him. I was actually I was going to say I've uh, Ian, I know you listen to the show. So I know you don't generally tend to reply to people, but I'm I'm seeing you really go into bat for this article that you wrote. Um as any artist would with for their work. Uh, but, um, you know, I just have a piece of advice from the great sports writer, Jim Taylor. Don't mud wrestle a pig. All you do is get dirty and the pig likes it. And boy, do they like it. 
subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash Roxy Fever if you want more slop. <laughs> Welcome to the slop feed. If you want more of the uh, pee and poop that uh, Ian McIntyre says I like to roll around in. Only the finest. Only the finest slop and mud. This is a very, this is a saltier episode than I was intending for, but uh, at least it was over, at least it was over uh, the important shit. Uh, anyways, you can follow me on Twitter at FailsOnMcDonald. You can try to follow me on Twitter at Viesteran. Do your best. You can follow me on Twitter at MooseKayak. Follow the pod at Roxy Fever. Give me money for stuff. Check out my other show, Controlled Entries. I put so much work into all the draft content. Give that a listen. Keep your eyes peeled for more from us. We got big plans coming soon. And uh, send your hate mail to literally everybody. Generals gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Brainwash minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.